Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to go for it right now. I'm going to talk a little bit about saving your world. I, I jumped online and went live with it this morning because it was burning in my heart and I couldn't, I couldn't get it. I couldn't keep it in, so I had to, I had to jump on Facebook Live and do it. But we're going to just jump. Come with me, please, right now to Matthew chapter 22. You see, the thing is, is that church, and when I say church, I'm talking about the modern culture of church has taught you that you are supposed to look a certain way and you're supposed to behave a certain way. And partially that's true. It's taught you that, you know, teachings are all about you becoming a better person. And that's partially true, but it's not the full sum of your salvation. It's not enough to be touched by God and be happy that you're going to heaven. Guys, we're going to have to divorce this mindset. And I love what Jeff had to say because it burns in me. I hate passionately when people say, I'm not an intercessor. Oh, I'm not an evangelist. Listen, you're all of these things. You need to get over yourself. And can I say this? No matter what place you are in life, oh, when I get my money right, I'll get on on for Jesus. When I get my financial breakthrough, you know, then I'll feel confident. When I get my relationship in order, then I'll, you know, oh, you know what? When I, when I feel like I can conquer that sin. Now, listen, you need to shut up. And you need to start reading the book. Because the problem is, is that excuses will keep people out of heaven. And excuses will stop you from opening your mouth. Okay. Before I scare anyone, you're like, oh, thank you, Jesus. Andrew's getting up. It's going to, no, sorry, disappoint you. See, we burn with the same fire. We got the same Holy Ghost. Okay, so I apologize, but Andrew is getting sat down right now and Holy Ghost is taking over. I take no responsibility for what's about to happen. Zero. <laughs> That's how you just offend every religious devil in town. That's cool. If you're feeling offended, just sit there and it'll burn off and you'll go out free. Okay. Matthew chapter 22. And Jesus answered and spoke to them again by parables and said, The kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who arranged a marriage for his son and sent out his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding and they were not willing to come. Can I say this? This is not salvation. This is speaking of the sons of heaven. Pay attention here. Pay attention to what's being said. Look again. And he sent his servants to call out those who had been invited to the wedding and they were not willing to come. See, the only person you invite to a wedding is a friend. You don't invite strangers. You invite people that are already in the circle. This parable is describing the sons of the kingdom being invited. Churchgoers. Oh yeah, I'm a member of a church. Yeah, this is all of us here. We need to pay attention. Because here's the thing. A lot of the time when God's actually asking you to do something, he's testing you and he's not announcing the test. Oh, by the way, I'm going to test your heart right now. And I'm about to ask you a question in 30 seconds. Answer correctly. No, no, it comes really, really obscure. And it's like often, hey, can you please help with setting up church? 
Or, hey, could you please help me faithful with this one thing? Or, hey, we've got this one new person that just gave their life to Jesus last week and we just need to get them a ride to church. Oh, no, I'm down at Starbucks having a coffee and, you know, pampering myself. Verse 3, and he sent out his servants to call those who were willing. Sorry, well, those who were willing, yeah. Were invited to the wedding and they were not willing to come. Verse 4, again, he sent out other servants saying, tell those who are invited, see I've prepared a dinner. My oxen, my fatted calf are killed and all the things are ready. Come to the wedding. What can I say this? Weddings always speak of covenant. That's what's really going on here. A wedding is covenant, guys. Can I just say something? I'm just going to put a line in the sand in the spirit and I'm going to invite you to come over. Because it's time to burn, guys. It's time to give up your past. It's time to give up your rights. And it's time to cross over out of Orange County and come into the kingdom of heaven. Because the kingdom of heaven looks like sons and daughters burning and not living for themselves, but living for the king. When we showed up here, we just took a look around. We're like, okay, we're definitely not Orange County. We're definitely not going to be popular here. I said, that's okay. I'm going to be true to the king. It doesn't care what anyone thinks. It doesn't care if people come in. Oh, I don't like that church. They're not scriptural. I don't like that church. They, they preach quite, quite aggressively, don't they? Oh, they do that thing where you get touched by the spirit. Yeah, meanwhile, those people are out, the ones getting drunk. I ain't trying to condemn anyone, but I'm just here. here look, listen, guys. When you really give up all and follow Jesus, it looks like something, and it doesn't look like religion. And, I, and look, if, 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 you have, if you've got a drinking problem, hey, look, awesome, just hang out. We love you. We're not here to condemn anyone. But what I will say is this. You get around the fire long enough, and all that stuff that's bound you is going to fall off. Because when you, unfall, when you fall in love with Jesus, you fall out of love with the stuff that's held you. And I don't care what the addiction is. But it's time to cross over. The problem why this territory is losing ground and more and more churches are closing and shutting down is because we have left as a culture the old paths of God. We've become ashamed of the truth and we've tried to repackage it to become relevant. Oh, we want to get the young people. So like, let's just accept all these different things and let's not talk about this. And, you know, if they want to start sleeping together, it'll be all right. Let me say it like this. No. See, the thing is, is that my conviction is not for sale and yours shouldn't be either. And I apologize if you've been raised up in Babylon, but it's time to come over into the kingdom. When Jesus turned up, he ticked everybody off because he wasn't prepared to bow. He didn't walk up to, you know, he didn't walk up to all the Pharisees and, you know, all the, all the scribes. And he's like, hey, boys, can I buy my robe down at the local Walmart? I want to be just like you when I grow up. He's standing there 12 years old saying, this is my father. He comes in. There's like a little mini market happening in the temple because they just figured out that money was important to them more than the love of God. And Jesus just stands there and he's braiding a whip. Yeah, okay, how you like me now? I'm just going to braid a little three-quartered whip here because I'm not impressed. And then he proceeded to tip tables over, push merchandise over and start whipping folks. Oh, I apologize. You weren't taught about that, Jesus. Apologize about that. Doesn't change the fact that that's not who he is. Do you think he's going to come back with like little Twinkies to hand out for everyone when he comes through the clouds? Oh, here's everyone's Twinkies. I want to make sure you vote for me. 
Dude, the Bible says that when he comes back, the clouds and the sky will roll back like a scroll and it'll be called the great and terrible day of the Lord. There are armies of angels that you don't even have capacity to understand the numbers and they're going to come with flaming swords and it is going to be a great day of reckoning. In that moment, salvation will no longer be applicable. So what are you going to do about it now? Oh, it's, it's one of those churches. Actually, no, we're just trying to shine like Jesus did. Not here to apologize, not here to be relevant. We're here to represent. See, the problem, one of my, you guys might have heard me about this, say this before, but by the way, on the 11th of June, uh, our great friend Joshua Mills is going to be coming and ministering. Love him. But also, one of my spiritual fathers is coming. His name's Dr. Rob Thompson. I've been wanting him to come for a very long time. He's from Chicago. I, I have huge respect for him. He's one of my mentors. He walks with wisdom like I've really never heard before. It's beautiful. I love it. I'm drawn to wisdom because wisdom's going to change me. One thing he told me many, many years ago, maybe not many, many years ago, but maybe five or six years ago, he says, every, every preacher and minister, and really, can I just change this up because it applies to every son or daughter of God. Every son or daughter of God gets to choose whether they, like, whether they become like Moses or whether they become like Aaron. Let me explain. Moses, when the, remember the children of Israel came out of Egypt, they're camped down the bottom of Mount Sinai. Moses goes up the mountain. He's up there for 40 days meeting with God. He's like, God, show me all your glory. I want to see everything. God shows him his goodness. His face starts to shine. Then he writes the Ten Commandments into stone with his hand like some kind of finger laser beam. Writes the Ten Commandments out of stone tablets. Okay. Meanwhile, Aaron, supposedly, who was the senior pastor, they called him the high priest, he was senior pastor, bishop, apostle, whatever your religious jargon is. He's down the mountain taking gold and building a golden calf so they can worship an animal. And this is what he said to me. He said, you're going to have to decide if you're going to represent the people to God or God to the people. Do you want to be relevant and build a cow? Or do you want to go up and meet with God and come down and say, I'm sorry, but I can't bend. I can't break. I can't move. I can't reshape myself. I can't become relevant because I've seen the king and it's not negotiable anymore. And if I gave you anything less, I'd be lying to you. Come on, guys. We need the fire of God. We need to let God burn in us so much that nothing else matters. People's approval doesn't matter anymore. See, I, like I, me and Bex were talking this week and I actually said to her, I said, look, to be honest with you, I've actually come to a point in my life through several things that have happened over the years where I actually do not care anymore what people think, Nick. You can get to the point where people, what they have to say doesn't matter because there's only one voice that matters. If he's cool with me, I'm good. I don't care if everyone turns on me, I'm good. I really don't care. My wife will tell you, this is the truth. I'm not just, I'm not just making a tough guy statement. I'm, I'm dead serious. What about you? We've got to stop living for people's approval and we need to start living for the kings. Oh, this is pretty intense. This, yeah, good. I understand that, good. Because you need to let Jesus burn in you so much that all that other stuff just starts to burn away and you start seeing people as valuable. Okay, so where, where were we? 
Verse 5, but they made light of it. He went out and sent out all these people. They made light of it and went their ways, one to his own farm and another to his business. Yeah, I can't come to this wedding right now. My life's too busy. Oh, yeah, I can't come right now. I'm going to go hang out with all the boys out in the desert. Oh, I can't come right now. Yeah, I'm too busy with work. Yeah, I'm not going to come to church actually anymore. I'm just going to go and do work. I'm going to take another job and make some more money. Or, you know, I've got a friend's get-together thing. I'm, you know, I, just, I ain't going to put God first. And the rest seized his servants and treated them spitefully and killed them. But when the king heard about this, he was furious. Up to this point, the people that the servants were sent to were sons of the kingdom. It wasn't the world. Get this, guys, because we've all read this one way our whole lives. We just think it's some random story. It's not. When Jesus said everything he said was extremely on purpose. The detail was, there's layers of the detail in all of these stories. You can see it. You can read it like some little bedtime story, or you can actually look for the truth behind the truth behind the truth. The problem is, is that most of the people that call themselves the church are actually lost because they claim the name, but they reflect the world. That's why God said, he's like, look, you know, you're supposed to be the hot or cold, but you're lukewarm. You're in the middle. You are worse than the person that's decidedly cold. I'm going to have to spit you out of my mouth. It's time for us to decide, guys. You see, the thing is, is that a person that's playing with the world, the devil can negotiate with. A person that has died to the world, the devil can't touch. The reason that sometimes we get beat up out there is because we're actually halfway in each camp and our guard becomes open. But if you cross over and you decide to burn... Yep, you might still have adversity in this world, but guess what? You're non-negotiable. See, for me, I really don't care how long it takes. I'm just here to say yes to God. I'm here to be obedient to him. And if it takes me my lifetime to see what he's promised, then my lifetime I'll give because it's worth it. Okay, let's carry on. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Verse 7, when the king heard about it, he was furious and sent out his armies and destroyed the murderers and burnt up their city. Okay. The sons of the kingdom. Oh, you're not supposed to preach that, Andrew. We're invincible. No, you're mortal. Then he said to his servants, the wedding is ready and those who were invited are not worthy. It's blown, dude. Therefore, go into the highways as many as you can and as many as you find, invite to the wedding. Just picture this for a second. The food's already on the table. The king has laid on an elaborate feast. People didn't show up. So the king says, oh, it's not about just the people that we called friends anymore. Obviously, they didn't display value to me. Therefore, they're not my friends. Servants frantically go out to the cities, go out to the fields, go to the streets, go to the alleyways, go to Metro Point. Come on, go to downtown, go to the pier, go to Balaterra, go to, go to the Soko Mix, go everywhere you can. Go to the schools, go to the workplace, go to the gyms, go everywhere you can. And frantically, frantically start to get them because the meal's already ready. Do you get this? Can I just say like we are done being complacent with our, with our Christianity? Come on, guys. 
I'm just trying to work it out with Jesus. When I'm a superhero like the preacher, I'll, I'll start to tell people I'm still playing skeptical game. Listen, you either believe, either believe that Jesus died for you on the cross or you don't. And the second you've encountered that goodness, it's got to do something. You don't have to necessarily be able to quote 20 scriptures out of this book. Maybe it's your first day in God today. Maybe you just got saved. Maybe you're about to get saved at the end of the service. You can tell someone something. You can say, come and see this Jesus that I met. I can't even explain it all yet, but you know what I'm feeling? I'm encountering something. I'm experiencing something. He's, something in me has changed. Something's broken off. Heaviness has left my life. I got healed. Whatever it might be, I got delivered. I was tormented. Now I'm not. Do you understand? There is a franticness to gathering people to come meet Jesus. Because the second the trumpet sounds, we're all going to be done. Do you get this? Guys, we need to snap out of the, the look, Someone said to me a while back, and I actually get asked it quite a bit, are you a prosperity preacher? No, I am a prosperity preacher, but I am not a greasy prosperity preacher. The, the cross and the gospel was actually there to bless you. Jesus became poor so that you could become rich. You either believe the Bible or you don't. Don't blame the preacher. Come on, guys. Oh, you know, I, I just, ever since I met Jesus, I've taken so much joy in having nothing. Well, you preach yourself happy then. Or miserable, whatever that may be. Listen, Jesus came to bless you. He came to set you free. He came to heal you. He came to prosper you. And if you don't believe that, then go read your Bible and come back to me when you have. And then go read it again, go read it again, go read it again. We're not all about the money, but guess what? The second someone comes out of darkness and gets set free, Demons leave, they get healed in their body, they get healed in their mind, their soul and their spirit get healed, they have just prospered. Not a dollar of transactions taken place. They have just been prospered. And I'm not ashamed of that. Come on, guys. We are to populate heaven aggressively. Come on, guys. We See, the thing is, is that you actually just need to jump in the water. Because the devil has you holding back, saying, I don't know if I can do this. Look, look, look me all in the eyes. Everyone right now, look me in the eyes. Yes, you can. 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 It's just something you've told yourself and you've agreed with. Oh, it's a little scary. I don't... Look, if I go out and eat at a great restaurant, see, like, me and, me and this guy over here, we like a good steak. Like, I mean, we like a really good steak. Okay, if we go out and eat at Morton's, a steak, something we do like once or twice a year, maybe, maybe twice a year, once in a while. We'll go out and eat a steak. We'll just be there. Mm, 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 mm. Every, every bite's just like, mm, mm. this is like a whole bunch of money I'm spending right now, and I'm going to enjoy every second of it. Okay? Oh, Jeff, we better pretend like we didn't go to Morton's and have a steak because what if some, we should just tell people we went to McDonald's. I'm a little embarrassed if anyone knew that we went to Morton's. It's kind of expensive. No, dude, I'm going to come out. I'm going to look you straight in the eye and say, dude, I had the biggest Cajun steak you ever saw in your life, and I'm so happy about it. I'm not ashamed of that steak. You see, the thing is we can get our head around that, but guess what? The second you bring up Jesus or the cross or resurrection or redemption or forgiveness of sins or conviction of sins, oh, I went to McDonald's. Listen, if you're enjoying such a great salvation, how could you possibly neglect it to other people? How could you possibly even think about it? I'll tell you how, you, how you're listening to it. You're listening to the devil. He has become your life coach. And you let him. 
Look, look, some of you have been walking with God for a long time. Some of you are brand new. You're like, dude, this guy's really full on. Yeah, guess what? Let me tell you what's really full on. Let me tell you what's really full on. You closing your eyes one day and your spirit coming out of your body and then you realizing that you're not going to heaven and you're going to burn forever in hell and then you start hearing the screams down the hallway, the howls of all the millions of souls that have gone before, howling to get out of hell. Now you tell me what's intense. Come on, guys. Next time you look at someone and you're afraid to tell them who Jesus is, you just start hearing those screams. Oh, you're hardcore. Dude, I'm flipping hardcore. When I walk into through the gates of heaven, I'm going to come up before the king. I'm going to say, God, I did everything. I didn't get it perfect. But here, here's the ones I was obedient to the best of my ability. This is not a game. You need to let this burn in you. I am hardcore. I don't apologize. I'm sorry. Not going to ever do it. I'll, I'll die like this. I'm not for sale. I'm not negotiable. What about you? Have you crossed the line? What's the cost of a soul? What's the price? Your reputation? When someone hung naked on a cross for you? Come on, I'm going to burn for Jesus. And I'm not going to burn in hell because I was afraid of him and ashamed of him. That's, that's how I'm going to go. I'm going to have a real good time doing it too. Don't ever think that I'm, I'm miserable. But I'm happy about it. See, the thing is, is that while you're undecided, you're miserable. But the second you cross the line and make a decision, say, I'm, I'm crossing this line. I don't care. What are you so afraid of? God hasn't given you any fear. He's given you a spirit of power and might and a sound mind. You are supposed to look like something. What are you afraid of? You're afraid of someone's approval? You're afraid of someone's opinion? You're afraid of someone's gossip? That ain't worth it. I'd rather have someone laugh at me than God be sad and disappointed in me. Therefore, come on guys, verse 9. Therefore, go into the highways and as many as you find, invite them to the wedding. So the servants went out to the highways and gathered together all whom they found. Do you you realize what that looks like? Listen, man, I know I've just met you. You need to give your life to Jesus. Here, here's the fire of God, Anton. Get changed. Hey, Molly, you need to get healed. Hey, Bex. Now, I know these guys are all saved, but I'm using them as an example. Here, let let me just preach Orange County for a second. Preach at all times, and if necessary, use words. That's a devil. That is a devil from the pit of hell. I'm totally against that stuff. Look, there's people in my life that I'm working on right now that I haven't had a chance to preach to. And I'm just loving them, loving them, loving them until I can get an opportunity. But don't you think for a second I'm going to wait for them to say, you're a Christian? I'm waiting for the second I have the opportunity to speak. See, that was a, that's a coward statement. Here, here let, let's just check out with Peter a couple of hours after Jesus has been, really, been, been arrested. Hey, you that dude Peter? No. Dude, my name's not even Peter. It's Bob. 
dude, I'm sure I saw you. You were the guy that helped, like, divide the loaves and the fishes. Dude, my name's Bob. <laughs> Lying. Hey, is that blood on your hands? Were you the guy that cut that dude's ear off in the garden? Bleep, did he bleep? Bleep, bleep, My name's Bob. Coward. Coward. Gets filled with the Holy Ghost. See, oh, this just church is really hardcore. Yeah, Acts chapter 2, just a few little, just a couple of months later. Homeboy gets hit with God. Wrecked by the Spirit of God. He's the dude that's standing up preaching in front of the whole city now. It's not just denying Jesus in front of a fire pit. And if you've denied Jesus, guess what? There's hope for you. Because you just need to let the Spirit of God get hold of you so much that you don't care anymore. If I want to be known for anything, I want to be known as the radical crazy person that burned for Jesus and didn't care what anyone thought. Except the Father. I care what he thinks. Is this okay? We need to wake up, guys, because I can tell you right now that we have crossed the line in God's timetable, and it's time for us to start to go into the highways and byways and start taking whole groups of people for the kingdom. It's time. It's time to start to see the most radical harvest of souls that you've ever seen in your life and I've ever seen in my life. We've all been building for this. We've been praying for years, and we've just crossed the line. Are you ready? Because we're going there. I've got like four people in the front line, that, in the front row that are excited. I don't worry, I haven't got there yet. I'm just fixing to get you. I'm serious. We're going there. Thank you, Jesus. Biscuits and gravy and the Holy Ghost. Thank you, Jesus. Now watch this. Verse 10. So the servants went out into the highways and gathered together all they found. Watch this. Both good and bad. And the wedding hall was filled with guests. Can I say this? Stop looking for the people that are going to make great Christians. Oh, you look like you'd make a great Christian. You're already living a great lifestyle. Yeah, go find the worst person you can get. Get Jesus on. Let the fire of God flow through you. Come on. Radical? Absolutely. Listen, for all you people starting to get, you're getting ready to write your emails and you're getting ready to send me notes and text messages and have organized meetings, listen, let me just quell your father's love comment to me in just one second. Jesus wasn't killed for the love he displayed. He was killed for the words and truth he said. So before you get ready to start talking about the father's love, make sure you know what you're talking about. Because the father's love sent Jesus to the cross. Father's happy all the time? Well, he wasn't happy that day. So you might want to rethink that belief system. Oops. Hey, listen, I'm in the business of destroying golden cows. I'm really happy about my job. I love my job. We need to stop worshiping golden cows, and we need to start burning for God. I'm not rebuking anyone. I know everyone here loves Jesus, and if you don't, you're about to. It's going to get awesome. I'm just saying, can we just cross the line? I understand you might be at 90%, but can you give all? Like Jeff coined it perfectly. Old Testament, 10%, New Testament, everything. If you can give money but not your time, not your heart, not your all, then you're a hypocrite. 
and we've all been hypocrites, myself included. It's time to throw everything in. Which we're going to get to in just a bit anyways. Like I said, I'm, I'm getting ready to pounce on you. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Verse 11, but when the king came in to see the guests, he saw a man there who did not have a wedding garment on. Uh-oh. So he said to him, friend, how did you come in here without a wedding garment? And, and he was speechless. And the king said to his servants, bind him hand and foot, take him away and cast him into outer darkness where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth for many are called, but few are chosen. Guys, if you're going to be a son of the kingdom, you've got to live like one. You're not supposed to look like one. You have to be one. That's why, that's why Joshua said, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Choose this day who you're going to serve. The thing with God is God is so loving and gracious and merciful and kind and patient and long-suffering, but God is a God of absolutes. God is a definitive God of black and white with no gray in the middle. You're either going to take up your cross and follow him, or you think you're going to take, oh, I think I'll take the horizontal beam at this stage in my life. I'm just going to take the horizontal beam of the cross because it's socially acceptable right now and my friends will see it. So it's kind of like a fashion statement and it's my journey and it's like, it's my progress. I'm going to blog about it and vlog about it. I'm going to do Facebook live sessions about it. Listen, the cross has two pieces and you're supposed to be on it. If you don't die with him, you don't get any resurrection power on the other side of the cross. You want to have all the miracles and the testimonies and the power of God flowing so you can get a following on Facebook, but you don't want to die in your room when no one's looking? Do you think this is a one, two, three step where you get anointed, you get around the preachers or you do the little class and you, you get this little tap on your head and some oil poured out and all of a sudden now you're a powerhouse? No, you die. Because if you look like you're supposed to look in the culture of church, but your heart is not there. God looked at it, talked about it like this. He said, people that draw near to me with their lips, but their hearts have already checked out. If you're dressed, Jesus talked to the Pharisees, he said, you guys are like whitewashed tombs. You, you're a coffin with a rotting thing inside of the coffin, but you've got like this beautiful paint on the outside and all the gold details. And yet you don't look anything like the kingdom because the culture of church is convenient to your religion. Oh, I know I'm spanking this thing. It has no place in the kingdom of heaven. No place. So what I'm actually saying is, can we actually tighten our belts and take it up a notch? It's time that we get people saved in their droves. The kingdom of heaven looks like something. Or did you really believe that church was an institution that would fatten you up so you could be a fat Christian with knowledge? Do you really believe that's why God saved you? Oh, awesome. Here's another son. Let's get them 3,000 pounds in the spirit with knowledge. It's like these incy-wincy little spider legs with this giant, like, you know that big orange balloon down in, down in Irvine? It's like, oh, oh, oh. Hey, listen, if you're new to this, I apologize for the shock factor. Welcome to the kingdom of heaven. 
I understand this can be very shocking and very aggressive. I, I do understand that. But what do you want to do with your life? I want to burn with him forever. How about that? I want to, I want to stand in front of Jesus just worshiping him. And guess what? There's seats to fill. Because if I am happy with my salvation and content with the fact that Jesus saved me, but I'm so selfish that I don't want to give it to anyone else, then apparently the love that I claim to have encountered is counterfeit. It is a selfish, self-seeking, self-consuming thing. I better leave out the back door tonight, honey. Yeah, now I want to, it's funny, you know, like God has been speaking to me for the last couple of months about the word bond servant. (sighs) Okay, come with me. Let's open your Bibles for a second. Because I just want to address something in our little Christian modern age of enlightenment. Oh, we're no longer servants. We've we've been chosen as sons now. The Father loves us and we have so much freedom. God wants me to choose my destiny. God wants me to discover whatever I want to do. And he is so pleased when he sees me doing whatever I do. Okay. Clearly, you haven't been reading your Bible. Sorry to disappoint you yet again tonight. I know I'm your most favorite preacher. Come with me, please, to the book of Titus. The book of Titus, chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, a bondservant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ. Okay. Come with me, please, to the book of James. The book of James, chapter 1, verse 1. James, a bondservant of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, okay. What does this mean? Peter, second epistle of Peter. This this was the coward. Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ. Okay. Okay. I think you're trying to build a case, Andrew. Okay, come over to me with the book of book of Jude. It's the one book before the before the book of Revelation, the book of Jude. Jude, chapter one. It pretty much is the only chapter, but verse one. <laughs> Jude, a bondservant of Jesus Christ and the brother of James. These were Jesus' men. There's freedom to do whatever you want. Is there? When my Bible reads it, is that you were bought with a price. That your life is not your own, but you've been bought by another. Here's the thing. This is the beautiful revelation I want us to get tonight. You were slaves to the devil. You were owned property to the devil. He owned you. You had chains around you in the spirit. You were behind prison doors in the spirit. You were in bondage and addiction and torment and oppression by the devil. Jesus came. He took the keys of ownership from the devil when he crushed his head in hell after he died. Stripped him of his power 
and he became the son of heaven, the champion of heaven, the victor, the champion. And then he gave you the keys and he called you friend. God of the universe doesn't call you servant, didn't call you subject, didn't call you anything other than the highest rank you could be called by anyone, friend. But it goes beyond that. This is where most gospel stops. Oh, God calls me friend. I can do whatever I want. He's given me the keys. Okay, let's just let's, let's look at this thing. Because all the guys that were walking close to Jesus started calling themselves bondservants. Maybe it's time that we need to divorce the orphan spirit that pretends to be a son but really has an independent thing going on that wants to stay in control and wants to keep one finger over the eject button at all times. God, if you don't give me what I want, because I'm really still the, the captain and commander of my own life, I've got my finger here, God, so you better deliver. Oh, I ain't going to get anybody saved if you can't prove yourself to me. All the guys started calling them bond servants, but Jesus had called them friend. What happened after he called them friend? Come with me. And I want to actually talk a little bit of the difference here because, see, this thing we've been reading in Matthew chapter 22, this should be your life. You should be going everywhere. Everyone you meet, God, what is a word of knowledge? What is a key to this person's freedom right now? What is the one thing that if you tell me and I say it to them, they're going to give up and give to you right now. They're going to yield to you. They're going to give up on their sin. They're going to divorce the devil and they're going to marry heaven. What's the one thing? Come on, that's what we should be asking every five minutes. Now, I get it. We don't do it all the time, but we need to cross over and start getting this thing, guys. Because you might be the last person that someone talks to. They might, you might go home. They might get out and cross the street and die. I've literally had it happen to me. Literally. <laughs> I came to this church to figure out how to get prosperity. Oops. That's only one of the things we're here to talk about. Okay. Where was I? Okay, I want to look at this. What is a bond servant? Now, ah, thank you, Jesus. Let's talk about how the world talks about it for a second. A bond servant is a slave. Oh, I don't like where this is going. It's going backwards. In some Bible times, the word bondservant is the translation of the Greek word doulios, which means one who is subservient to and entirely at the disposal of his master. This is pretty intense, Andrew. Okay, in Roman times, the term bondservant or slave could refer to someone who voluntarily served others, but usually referred to one who was held in permanent position of servitude. Under Roman law... A bondservant was considered the owner's personal property. Slaves essentially had no rights and could be killed with impunity by their owners and did not earn anything. Okay, hang on a minute. This doesn't sound like the gospel. You're exactly right, it doesn't sound like the gospel. Because the problem is, is that we approach the things of God a lot with our carnal minds. 
we approach it with our earthly, sensual knowledge. Now look at this. The Hebrew word for bondservant, ebed, had a similar connotation. However, the Mosaic law allowed an indentured servant to become bondservant voluntarily. If the servant declares, I love my master and my wife and children and do not want to go free, then the master must take him before the judges. He shall take him to the door of the doorpost and pierce his ear with an awl. Then he will be his servant for life. There is a difference between what the world calls bondservant and what the kingdom calls bondservant. Because in the kingdom, you have rights that you willingly give to a master. In the world, they are taken from you and you become in servitude and slavery. Look at these guys. These guys once were lost. Jesus meets them teaches them a new way, calls them friend, and they are so impacted by the king that they say, because of who you are and because of my love for you, I will give all. We need to get this, guys, because this will cause our lives to shift. Where you live a life where it's like, God, I don't belong to me anymore. I'm so in love with you. I willingly give my life to you. Whatever you ask me to do, I'm going to do it. doesn't matter anymore. I know that I have rights and I'm not any lesser, but it's greater for me to go lower and become a servant of the king than it is for me to stand and demand my rights as a son. I have rights as a son. I'll always have rights as a son. I'm a son of the king of heaven. Born into that bloodline through the cross. And so are you. But can I say something? There's actually, there's actually a line we can go across that even further. The problem is, is that we want to live and we want to still have our old lives. I was flipping crying over this a little earlier. This wrecked me. Most of the problems in our lives, guys, are because we're actually trying to keep something alive that's not supposed to be alive. We actually need to become a bond servant. Look at all the ones that you read the Bible, that wrote the Bible, that had relationships with God. They didn't say, they, none of them said, see, popular Christianity, I'm a son, I'm a son, I'm a son. Yeah, it's awesome. You are a son. I'm totally not taking anything away from that. But there's further. I, I've never heard this preached ever. See, when you cross the line and you actually start giving all, and no matter what God says to you, like, I mean, let, let's be really honest here. Actually, you don't have to be honest. I'll be honest for you. There's, start, there's things that God's told me. Hey, Andrew, I want you to do it. And I'm like, no. Me and God have had week-long arguments. Now, God always wins. He happens to be God, as it happens. And I love it that way. But I still have a will that needs to die. How about you? There's still something in me that needs to let go. A bondservant has let go. Hey, I want you to go speak to your worst enemy. Hey, I want you to go da-da-da-da-da. We like to gauge ourselves on how great our anointing is. Let me tell you, start gauging yourself on how great your obedience is. 
measure of your maturity is not how great you can wield the power of God. It's how great you can bow your knee and say, yes, Jesus. <laughs> doesn't matter what people think about me right now because if they made a mockery of you, they'll probably end up making a mockery of, of me too. That's okay. I'm good with that. What's more valuable than my reputation? Somebody else's soul. What if you get one person saved that saves a whole bunch of people? Come on, you see, you're looking at a guy that's crossed the line. Now, I'm not perfect, and I'm not trying to say, I'm up here to say I'm the perfect example, because guess what? I'm going to get it wrong sometimes. Quite happy to admit that, because no one's perfect. But you are looking at someone I'm not here, and I know Pastor Jeff's not here, and my wife's not here, Pastor Bex. We're not here to build a beautiful little church with a white little steeple and a cross on the top that plays bells on Sunday morning. We are here because we truly believe that we can see all of Orange County saved. But it's going to take people stopping, stopping playing church and start becoming bond servants. Where it's like, you know what? Jesus, who was it today? Who, who are you going to wreck with your mercy today? Who are you going to speak? Who's going to get saved? Who's going to get healed today? Not, Jesus, you have, to, you have to pay my this and that, and you have to buy me a PlayStation, or I'm going to stop talking to you. That's just a teenage tantrum. That's not maturity. When people step up and try and tell me stuff, normally I'll look at their lives, and I'm like, this is what this person's saying, and what's their life what qualifications do they have to actually talk on the platform they're talking? For instance, completely natural. If I want to get a loan to buy a house, if I want to get a mortgage, I'm not going to go and sit down with the dude that just went bankrupt. P- pretty stupid. Yeah, tell me the best way to make sure my house is secure and, you know, like, what's the best mortgage to have? Oh, yeah, sure, I'll listen to you. Not. We need to cross a line and never come back. I am not for sale. I believe this territory can be saved. I believe that each person in this room, I'm dead serious about what I'm getting ready to say here. I believe that each person in this room, if you cross this line, you will see tens and hundreds of people get saved. I totally believe that. Are we believing for another Azusa Street? Yeah, and you, you, haven't, you can't even give Jesus your Sunday mornings. I'm not throwing off at Azusa Street, but I, you know what I'm absolutely sick and tired of? People worshipping the past, but they don't want to give the, for the present. I'm sick and tired of that. I love what God's done in the past, but I'm not going to settle for a story anymore. It's time you become the story. It's time you become the story, Bailey. You become the story. You become the story. It's time you become a story, Nick. Come on, Linda, it's time you become a story. Come on, Dan, it's time you become a story. It's time you become a story. You become, come on. It's time you become a story. What does that look like? Giving everything to Jesus. No longer I that live, but Christ Jesus lives in me. We have become so desensitized to these scriptures. We can quote them, we don't even know what they mean. I must decrease and he must increase, says John the Baptist right before he's getting his head cut off for the gospel. 
<laughs> How far have we fallen, Orange County? It's time to get back up on our feet, sons of God. I want to look like that book. I don't want to look like the popular church down the street that's figured out that smoke machines and, and, and strobe lights will you know, have a cool worship set. I want God to come and wreck us. I want to be so in love with Jesus, I don't care what anyone thinks. Oh, now you're talking pretty extreme. Mm-hmm. You're getting on. To the, you, you're, you're latching on. Like I'm, I'm, I'm not angry with anybody here, but I'll tell you what, I'm in love with Jesus, and being in love with Jesus makes me very angry at the devil. That's the one person, like Jesus. That's the one person I'm allowed to hate. And I'm gonna do a good job of that. I hate him, and I'm against him. And my job is to tear down his kingdom. We are going to pray and we are going to war until he loses his territory and we start taking souls in the masses. That's exactly what's going to happen. I promise you. I I can't tell you how long it's going to take, but you watch a landslide of souls beginning to give their lives to Jesus, radically getting wrecked, radically getting set free. The gangs are going to dismantle. The bars are going to go empty. I'm telling you guys, this territory is one of the largest pornography filming territories in this territory. In all of California, maybe even the States, it's a huge pornography filming territory. We are going to destroy that, and there's going to be a whole bunch of handmaidens that get set free and fall in love with Jesus and realize that their value is not being naked in front of a camera. Yeah, I just said naked in front of a camera. Deal with it. Because someone out there is hurting right now. That's a lost daughter that feels like killing themselves and it's hyped up on all kinds of drugs just to do what they have to do because they've associated lust with value and it's killing them. You have the answer. You have the hope of glory on the inside of you. I've gone full-blown charismatic now. Oh, well, we went there. Not ashamed of Jesus. And there is a cause There is a cause because it's so hypocritical when Christians sit quietly and they don't say a word and they get upset with someone like me who talks passionately, but they're not prepared to take one soul out of darkness while they have their fire insurance package. That's hypocrisy incarnate. It's too late for me to say sorry. I've gone way too far for that. Come on, guys. What if you started saving one person every week? What if you saw one person saved a month, maybe? What if? What if we started populating heaven by stripping the enemy? You should be so insulted by his presence in this territory that it becomes your passion to destroy his works. That's what Jesus showed up. He's like, here I am, guys. I'm here to destroy the works of the enemy. I'm here to open blind eyes, to set the captives free, to loose chains, to open prison doors. That's why I've come. Do you think he came to play tiddlywinks or do you think he came to go to war? We've been taught a false gospel. We've been told that Jesus was skipping through the tulips and patting everyone on the head. Oh, that's right. Oops. There he is braiding his, braiding his little whip, looking at everybody. Hmm. Okay, let's give me another few minutes, boys. It's all going to change. My father's house is a house of prayer. You guys got it wrong. Oh, I thought he was a gentle Jesus. 
See, this territory is being taught that Jesus is still a little baby, five, you know, like five pound baby Jesus wrapped in swaddling clothes. And he's not. He is a warrior king. Who are you? You're his brother. You're his sister. Come on. What are you going to do about it? Can you think of someone who needs Jesus right now? Because the king is passionately calling people to come to the wedding feast. The king is very, very distressed about all those that aren't coming. And guess what? He's just as distressed about those that have been complacent about the invite they they had. That's you and me. We we need to make sure that we're actually not being apathetic. Oh, um, Jesus, I thought, you know, you're a pretty full-on God, so I went and took the gospel and and the, the message of salvation and I hid it under the ground. I didn't want anyone to see it because what if I got it wrong? You wicked and unfaithful servant. Remember the scripture? Jesus telling a parable. That one freaks me out more than anything. That one freaks me out. You wicked and unfaithful servant. That means you had the most powerful message in the entire universe that literally has the ability to take a dark, blackened soul full and bound to the devil and literally take the chain breaker and break the chains and see them come into full life. Transformed son of God, daughter of God. Jude, come on, put your name here. Jude, a bondservant of Jesus Christ. Andrew, a bondservant of Jesus Christ. That's who I am. Who are you? Come on, you should respond. Who are you? Of Jesus Christ. We have given all and will continue to give all. And can I say this? The stuff I'm talking about tonight does not demand you to be a perfect individual. It just demands you to say, Jesus, everything that I've got in my ability right now, I'm giving to you. And I'm on a journey and you're helping me get set free of some of my junk. You're helping me get set free of some of the sin issues that I'm walking through. But guess what? To everything, the ability that I've got right now, I'm giving it to you. And I'm never going back to the enemy. I will not romance that. I will not allow him to talk to me. I am going to stay the course. In Jesus' name, let's, let's stand to our feet for a second.